0: But anyway, while we're talking about our message today, I told you to be thinking about something. What was that that I told you to be thinking about? Florida Bible College. I had the privilege of going to Florida Bible College after it started about two years in a church no bigger than what ours is right here. And um, Dr. Stanford started it in 1962. I went in 1964. Not a lot of students, but if they hadn't had that college for nobody but me, it was worth it. Because it changed my whole life. It gave me the tools by which I could do something with. And the most important thing is winning people to the Lord. Because I wanted to do something that would amount to something. That, you know, after life is all over with, and you look at your whole life and you think, now, what did I do on earth for heaven's sake? I want to have something that will last for eternity. And there's nothing in this world that lasts forever except souls. I believe that God, after he saves us, leaves us here so that we can get somebody else to go to heaven and get another one to go to heaven and get another one to go to heaven and get another one to go to heaven. heaven. So all we're down here is to pick fruit, just get people to trust the Lord because people are what's going to last in eternity. We can sing in heaven and we can fellowship in heaven and we can even study the Bible in heaven and we can pray in heaven, but I don't know why But one thing we can't do in heaven, we can't win people to Christ in heaven. Why? Because they're already knowing the Lord. But we can do it now, and that's why it's so important. So I want you to look at this uh, little statement that I, uh, well, I didn't make it up. Let the dead bury the dead. You might not know it, but that's actually in the Bible. It is a phrase that's used in the Scriptures. So I want you to look there in your Bible to the book of Luke in chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And look there in verse 1. This is Jesus. He comes into this world, starts His ministry at about 30 years of age. And one of the things He does is He chooses some individuals. He chose 12 disciples, called them, gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And He sent them to preach the kingdom of God. Now in the book of John, we find out that's written pretty much at the same time, because it happens about the same time. He told Nicodemus, he says, you cannot see the kingdom of God or enter into the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. So when they're going about preaching the kingdom of God, it was about the new birth. It's about how to be born into the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 3, he says, take nothing for your journey, neither stave nor script, neither bread nor money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house you enter into, there abide and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. Verse 6, And they departed, they did it, and went through the towns, preaching the gospel, and healing everywhere. He got them some men, told them what to do, commanded them, they went, and they preached the gospel. As you study the Bible, you'll find out now, they're dead. They're all dead. Well, if you read the Bible, do you find your name in particular written in here? And Yankee Arnold, who lives in Athens, Georgia, I want you to go to Tennessee Temple School. Then I want you to go to Florida Bible College. Wouldn't that have been easy easy for me to understand the will of God if it had done something like that? Well, he didn't do that. So as you study the rest of Scripture, who then is responsible now? That's what he told them to do. But I'm not them. So where do we get the idea that we're supposed to win people to the Lord? Because I have a lot of people say, look, that's the preacher's job. That's what we pay him for. You said people don't say that. (laughs) Yes, they do. Probably some of them sitting right here. That's the preacher's job. The win people to the Lord, that's his job. Excuse me, I'm the shepherd. You're the sheep. Sheep bear sheep. You didn't know that? You're going to learn a lot. Look at the next statement I want you to see there. In Luke chapter 9, look in verse 23. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Look what he says. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me individually. He said it to all of them, if any man. Now he's telling them this is a choice. If any man will come after me. Now, we come to Christ for salvation, but we come after Christ for service because we're always following him. He's leading and guiding, and we're following. He says, follow me, and I'll make you a a rich man. No, a soul winner, a fisher of men. So he says, any man will come after me. Let him, see those two words, deny himself. Now, you think for a moment. How would you explain this verse? You want to apply this verse to your life. What do you think he means? Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. All right, you just, you just read that verse. How would you apply that verse? Well, that doesn't mean me. That means somebody else. That means everybody but me. Well, it's in the Bible. Any man, any man at any time. It looks like it could be a choice that any man can make. Any man can take up the cross. Any man can deny himself. And any man can follow him. So it's um, something that God wants us to do. But then you've got to find out, okay, well, what is the cross and what am I supposed to deny? As you think about it right now at this point in your life, what have you denied your life in your own mind? I, I gave up something so that I could do this for the Lord. Can you think of something? There ought to be something. Don't you agree? There ought to be something. And follow me. Don't you believe that it is God's will that all of God's children follow him? you believe it? See, so these are things you have to decide in your own mind. I won't give account for you, and you will not give account for me. When we get to heaven, every man shall give account of himself to God. Of what did we do, or what did we believe? Now, look what he says in verse 24. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life... For my sake, the same shall save it. What do you think that means? You think it all have a meaning to it? You think it's talking about how you and I live or what we live for? Are we talking about living my life for whatever I want here? And then when I die, I didn't do it for the Lord, so this was my life. And I didn't lay up any treasures in heaven, so I don't have anything when I get there. Now, we know going to heaven is a gift. That's free. Jesus Christ paid for our sins, so that we can have eternal life and go to heaven. So going to heaven is because of what Christ did for us. You see, discipleship is what we do for him. And he says, I did that for you because I loved you. Now, if you love me, keep my word. If you love me, follow me. If you love me, him will my father honor. So now, God didn't make us love him He didn't force us to love him. But he wanted us to know how much he loved us. He paid for your sins when you didn't ask him to. He paid for your sins and made a way for you to go to heaven. Even though you could reject what he did. But once you trust Christ as your savior, God does not force us to serve him in any way, shape, or form. But now get what he says. For what, in verse 25, what is a man advantage if he gained the whole world and lose himself or be cast away or set aside, disapproved, not used for the Lord, put on a shelf? What did you gain? How long has God given you so far to live? And how many more years might he give to you? Is that all going to be in vain if you do not use it for the Lord? What is your life worth? God left us here for a reason, and if you have a pulse, you have a purpose, and that purpose is to honor the Lord. It's not about you or me doing whatever we want to do with our life. God has already said what he wants us to do. He wants us to deny ourselves. He wants us to take up his cross. He wants us to follow him. And he said, if you cannot forsake everything, he said, you cannot be my disciple. Are you his disciple? That means a follower, a learner of the Lord. Now, some people, they try to learn and follow Christian principles and character and have it in their lives, but never trust Him as their Savior. So you can be a disciple and never be saved. And you may come along and trust Christ as your Savior and never fall in love with the Lord and never serve Him all the days of your life. But wouldn't it be something for the world to see? A person who knows the Lord, he trusted Christ as Savior, and he loves the Lord. And if he loves the Lord, then he should live like he loves the Lord. And he should be able to deny himself anything in this world for the cause of Christ. Have we ever seen such a man? Look what he says here in verse 20. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. So God says there's a time coming. If you're ashamed of him here, he'll be ashamed of you there. Isn't that a shame? Why do you think Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel? Therefore, he says, I am ready to preach the gospel to them at Rome also. I am a debtor. I am ready to preach the gospel. And he did what he did. Because God had given him a glimpse of heaven And he traveled with Luke, who had a glimpse of hell, because he wrote Luke 16. And so Paul wanted to make a difference. You see, it's not that God's going to kick you out of heaven, or not let you come in. No. We're going because of his great love for us, and that cannot be annulled. It's irrevocable. So there's some things that I want us to take a look at. Now, look what he says here. In the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. Verse 57. Some had a a bad case of what we call me firstitis. You know what me firstitis is? It's a deadly disease. Some people have what they call Sundayitis. You know what Sundayitis is? They get sick every Sunday. They're well on, on Monday to go to work, but they're too sick to go to church on Sunday. You don't know anybody like that, do you? You ever heard of anybody like that? Don't we get that sunday Sundayitis? Well, this is bad. Give up me firstitis. I want to serve the Lord, but first of all, I got to do this. First of all, I got to do this. First of all, I got to do this. I'm not against serving the Lord. I'm willing to sacrifice anything and everything. But first of all, well, let's see what he says about some people like that. In verse 57, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Now, buddy, that's what you want. That is commitment, right? You already read the other verse, didn't you? You cheated. You jumped ahead of me. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, remember, this is Jesus in the flesh, standing there talking to them. He says, Now, I'm going, and I want you to follow me. When do you think he wanted them to follow him? Next week. Next year. You think it was meaning now? You see, a lot of people, it's so easy to dedicate their life to the Lord. Because their life means starts tomorrow. And he wants today. See, it's easier to give God what you don't have than it is to give God what you do have. You have now. Are you dedicated to the Lord now? See, dedication, it, you have to determine that's what I want to do. And I give them today, and then when I give them tomorrow, and I give them the next day. Then you can say, I have given my life to the Lord. I gave the Lord what I had. But I promised God I'd always do that for Him in the future. It's always in the future. And one day I will. But you never did. You never got to tomorrow. Because it was always today. And you didn't give him today. And you always wonder, I wonder what I could have done. Where I could have gone what I could have accomplished. Does God know right now your potential? He knows what you could have done had you prepared. And I told you when I first started, you'd be thinking about three words. What were those three words? Florida Bible College. Now, I'm not saying you ought to go to Florida Bible College. But Florida Bible College is nothing but a place where you study the Word of God to do the will of God. That's all it is. Forget the name. Do you believe it is God's will for you to study God's word to do the will of God? Huh? Then is it God's will for you to go to Florida Bible College? Think it through. We are making it possible for people to know the word of God so they can prepare themselves to do the will of God. But you see, you have to have a vision. What does God want me to do? It's my life. Now, I got a choice. I can deny my own life of what I'd like to do and be, or I can say I'm going to just serve the Lord. Whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Now, get this, because these verses are so important. He said in verse 59, he said unto another, 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 follow me, but he said, Lord, allow me first, suffer me first, give me permission first to go and bury my father. That doesn't mean his father is dead. But when my father dies, I'll be willing to go. It's just like I told you all. I'm willing to go to heaven. I'm willing to go right now. But first, Lord, let me stay long enough to bury everybody else. And then I'll be ready to go. How bad do I want to go now? If the Lord was to come in here right now and said, I'm ready to take a load. Like his one preacher, he'd who'd like to go to heaven? Everybody raised their hand except one guy sitting in the back row. He said, maybe everybody didn't understand me. How many would like to go to heaven? Everybody raise their hand. But one guy sitting on the back row. He said, why didn't you raise your hand? He says, well, are you planning on taking a load now? <coughs> I'm ready to go to heaven, but maybe not now. I want to serve the Lord, but not now. Not today. I got some things I want to do. I got some plans of my own. If it came to denying yourself, what are you willing to deny in your life to get the best? What are you willing to sacrifice here to get something that will be better than anything you could ever sacrifice? It reveals the wisdom of the individual. Now, notice what he says here in verse 60. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury the dead. Let the spiritually dead bury the physical dead. Let the lost man do what the lost man can do, and let the Christian do only what a Christian can do. The lost man doesn't preach the gospel that I preach. Therefore, I must preach the gospel. I can do any other job any lost man can do. Why do I want to spend my life doing only what a lost man can do? Let the lost man do that. But let God's children do what God's children are supposed to do. We're supposed to be a light in this world. Yes or no? That we ought to be a light. And we ought to shine. And we ought to be able to prepare the way for individuals to come to know Christ as their Savior. Now, get the next verse. In verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first. You see that, me first, me first, me first. That's a bad case of me first, Titus. I'll do it, Lord, but first. Uh, Go and bid them farewell when you're at my home, at my house. Oh, really? You're ready to go? You're willing to go? Jesus said in verse 62, no man having put his hand to the plow. Looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, I myself, I don't mind spending years of my life, which I have done, over 50 years, teaching and training people. But I like to teach people enough of the word of God so that they don't quit because they're not fit to serve the Lord. It means that you're ready, you're prepared, and you want to do it. I don't want quitters. God doesn't want quitters. You put your hand to the plow and say, This is what God's will is for me, and that's what I want to do. Then keep your eyes focused. That's why they always had these mules or horses, and they put blinders on the side of them so they, that they don't see all the distractions in the world. You were called to do something for God, then you go and do what God wants you to do. And don't get sidetracked, and don't quit. You have no idea how many times in my life i come this close to quitting. And these verses like this, haunting my mind, said, Jake, you can't do that. You can't do that. Don't you dare quit. Don't you stop. And that hurts me sometimes when I shake my head like that, but I forget about it. Uh, I take pain pills every day, morning and night. But I can't quit doing what I do. As long as I can talk and have some sensibility, I want to keep doing what I do. But it says, take your hand to the plow and then look back. And think about all those wonderful things I gave up for God. Man, I was a fool. And then you turn and do it. And you stop doing what God wanted you to do. You see, I know personally, I know people who have done this. And they've fallen in love with the world. And the world and the things of the world become more to them in doing what God. Life isn't forever here. We're running out of time. So am I. Look at the thing that I wrote down here in black. It's in bold right in the middle of your paper. A decision to serve the Lord is seen by God as an irrevocable decision. But any man who refuses to prepare is not fit to serve. Because God tells us in his word, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now I want you to see this very quickly. Turn to the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 2. 2 Timothy And chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two, and look what he has here in uh, verse one. And Paul writing to a young man in the things of the Lord, he says, "Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace is the gospel." But he said, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Also, the reason we like the college situation because it's a daily thing, and we teach them the things they need to know so that they are able to teach somebody else, and then they can teach somebody else. You see, the reason we wanted to take those times, and I spent four years along with a few other people, and we spent some time teaching Jesse some things about the Bible. Do you know he can now preach? And he preaches good. He does a great job. It didn't happen overnight. It's because somebody believed that it's worth doing. What if all of us in the college decided isn't it isn't worth teaching anybody, but to teach faithful men? they got to be here today. they got to be here this day. they got to be here this day. they got to be here this day. But if they're not faithful, forget it. They're not fit for it. They're not ready for it because it takes dedication. It's a commitment. You don't put your hand to the plow and say, I quit. I'm not going to do it anymore. Don't lose your love for the Lord. Don't set that love that you have for God aside. And you keep yourself focused on what God wants you to do. But it takes time and it takes training. Somebody has to teach people how to do these things. I am so thankful that I took the time when I went to Florida Bible College and I watched Ray Stanford do that little wallet thing. Hank Lindstrom watched him do that little wallet thing. And a thousand others watched him do that little wallet thing. And 55 years later, I'm still doing that little wallet thing. And I'm also still teaching other people how to do that little wallet thing. And some of y'all have learned to be some good soul winners because you have learned how to do that little wallet thing. Even though nobody had to tell you, sit down with all seven seven, and some of y'all can do it. Now, look here in this verse. When it says in verse 2, he says, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's the will of God. You got, somebody has to teach. Somebody has to learn. A lot of people use the excuse. Well, I'm not, I'm not prepared. I'm, I'm not trained. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do, I don't know how to do that. Did you know what? Emma, I'm just going to mention this to you. I decided myself to learn how to play harmonica. I can play harmonica. I don't even have to think about it. It's just so natural. It's the easiest thing in the world. Anybody can do that. If you can breathe, you can play a harmonica. It's easier for me because I've been doing it for 60-something years. I decided to learn how to play the guitar. It didn't come natural. I had to work at it. I'm still working at it. I've trained other people. They got better than me, so I quit. No. <laughs> <laughs> I could go over to that piano, and I can play a couple songs on the piano. But I'm not good. But I'm, I, I know what I'm playing. And I can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. May not be that joyful to you, but to the Lord, the Lord said, so That sounds pretty good. You just turned me off. <laughs> but you've got to prepare and learn to do something. So I can't do anything. Yes, you can. He said, You won't do it. I can't talk to people about the Lord. You can too. He said, You won't do it. You're afraid. Admit it. You know, Leon Brown, we used to play golf. We'd come to a, a creek down there. So, you're going to go for it? Now, I'm going to lay up. If you're afeared, say you're afeared. Well, anyway, sometimes we're just afeared. And you're afeared. Now, look what he says in verse 15. Look at verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Is that the will of God? Yes, it's the will of God. Is that what I want, he wants us to do? Yes, it is. Now, look what he says in verse 21. If a man, see that word if? This is the same thing we find over there in the book of uh, Luke. If, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet or fit for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. So what do you got to do? Well, you got to be taught. you got to study. you got to prepare. And some people are not willing to pay the price. Because, you see, when it comes to our salvation, Jesus Christ had to be willing to pay the price. He came into the world to pay the price. And He didn't pay the price by coming into the world. And He didn't pay the price by living a godly life. He paid the price when He died to pay for our sins. The ultimate sacrifice. He paid the price. He sacrificed his life, so that we could have eternal life. And then he looks at us and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love him? He walked in this room right now, and he looked at you eyeball to eyeball. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? He kept telling Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Didn't ask him if you love the sheep. He said, do you love me? You're going to serve the Lord if you love him. And you're not going to serve the Lord if you don't love him. It's just that simple. Look at the, your notes down at the bottom of the page here. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. Now I wrote a, a little thing in the middle there. Service to the Lord for the sake of the gospel is an irrevocable trust. In 1 Thessalonians 2.4, you need to look at this verse. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. And look in verse 4. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our heart. God has given you and I this irrevocable trust. He's given to you and I the gospel. He has not rescinded that responsibility. That's what he's done. You and I are responsible But we may not fulfill our responsibility. And that's one of the reasons why when we get there, we're going to be ashamed that we had not given him more. I could have given him more. When I think about all the places that I've been and opportunities that I have, I think I should have done so much more. And sometimes I think I didn't need that little wasted time and that little wasted time and that wasted place. I could have done more. But I don't know anybody that's loved the Lord so much that they've given him all. My father-in-law used to tell me a little statement. He says, the world has never seen what God can do through one man totally dedicated to him. And I thought, man, I'd like to be that guy. I'd love to be that guy. But I don't think I'll ever be that guy. I may not shake the world, but I wouldn't mind shaking the man who shakes the world. Because it might be some little kid in Sunday school or some little kid in the Juana, some kid that goes to ranch, some kid that goes to camp, some kid that comes to college and, and just gets such a burden he wants to do something for God and not waste his life. So you pray to that end. You want that more than anything else in the world. Look down at the next verse. We won't take our time, but look at it in your Bible, but look in your notes here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. It's like I have to do it. I told him in Sunday school this morning. I said, when I decided I was going to go to Bible college, my father-in-law, he did his best to try to talk me out of doing it. He says, I don't think you ought to go. Again. I don't think you ought to go. I asked him a couple years later, I said, why did you try to discourage me? He says, because if you could have kept from doing it, you shouldn't have done it. He said, but if you couldn't keep from going, you needed to go. I went because I had to go. I couldn't stop. There's things I'd like to do right now. Believe it or not, after all these years that I still struggle with, sometimes i just like to just quit. Just quit. You know, you ever heard of the word retire? Just retire. Just get myself... Buried on the back side of some mountain there in Alaska, something like that, and just catch salmon all day. You know, just eat the good life. let my wife do all the work, and I just sit there and fish, you know. But I know, I know too much. I, I can't do it. I want to do it. I wouldn't mind taking a vacation every week. <laughs> Jesse just took a cruise. Did you like it? Loved it? He loved it. See there? Youth pastor took a vacation and went on a cruise. Pastor didn't get to go. I heard about this one preacher. He decided he finally got him an assistant pastor so he could have more time to relax and his assistant pastor do all the work. Next thing you know, somebody bought the assistant pastor four tires for his car. Thanksgiving time, they bought him a big old turkey. Preacher realized, I didn't need that assistant pastor that bad. <laughs> they, they used to bring him to me. Now they're bringing them to him. If I see y'all bringing the first gift to him and not bringing it to me, I'm joking. I'm joking. So you are not. Yes, I am. Look at the next verse at the bottom of the page here. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Paul says, I made myself a servant. God doesn't make you serve him, God doesn't make you study. God doesn't make you pray. God doesn't make you deny anything. God doesn't make you follow him. He says, if you love me. If you love me. And some people don't love the Lord like they should. But I am not the judge of whether or not what people should do with it. I'm just telling you, these are things that burned into my mind. They burned in my soul. It was like a flame of fire. And it's like you can't stop, you just have to do it. Top of the next page, when you read Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, 7 and 8, got some interesting verses. It says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Ask or knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You see, when you want the will of God, then you seek the will of God, and then you knock on what door of opportunity God has for you. When I wanted to start a bus ministry in Colorado, I already had the desire, and I met people, I would talk to talking about, we got some children that uh, come to our church, and we'd like to have your children come and ride on our bus, and I'd like to know, and yes, and give me an address. Then I had to find that home, and then when I found that home, I had to knock at the door. And there was a time when I was, told to go visiting and knock on doors and see if people trusted Christ as Savior. And I would be so scared to death. You know, they'd say, always pray. And I'd go to the door. (laughs) Nobody's home. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. And I'd realize, you know you're not doing right. (laughs) And somebody comes to the door. (gasps) And I'd have to talk to them. But sometimes you're looking for an open door. Once you learn what God's Word said, and you know what God wants you to do, and then you look for a, a door of opportunity. But some of you will never get a door of opportunity. Why? Because you're not prepared to take advantage of the opportunity. So I wish I could do something. But you can. Are you prepared to do something? If God opened the door of opportunity, could you take advantage of it? I'd love to. Sometimes to go back and think how much more I could have taken advantage of more opportunities. But the word ask, you see that ask, seek, knock? It's not just asking and forgetting, it's ask and keep on asking. It's seek and keep seeking. It's knock and keep knocking. It's a continual thing in your life. Not that I asked one time, no, I've been asking God. For the last 57 years, 58 years, I've known Christ as my Savior. And I have been seeking all those years and all this time. And I've been knocking and asking God to open up doors of opportunity. And we've had more opportunities to preach the gospel since I've been here. And I thought to myself, self, you just read a thing about Billy Graham. And Billy Graham going back in all those years and all those great big meetings that he had. And hundreds of thousands of people in some of those big arenas that he had, stadiums, and then all over the world. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to have that same kind of an opportunity? And little do you think, and you realize, just because of the radio ministry, how many people I get a chance to talk to every week. And through the YouTube ministry, every day that it's on there all over the world and I think God you have richly blessed me I don't deserve all of that but you've made it possible you've opened doors that I didn't even know existed and it's only because of one thing because I love him I fell in love with the Lord and I don't believe God wants to hide me under a bushel but to put it on a heel, So the son of God can say, you know, there's one that loves me. I want him to be able to look at every one of you in this room. And God says, he loves me. She loves me. He loves me. He loves me. The Bible says when God comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find those that really love him? Love the Lord. Nobody can make you do it. But if you decide to love the Lord... Nobody can stop you. Look down here at this next verse. I've covered this before with you, but I wanted to put it in print. I just like having notes. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable what? Service. Service. You don't do this to be saved. Salvation is free. He did that. He loved us that much that he gave his life. Now he says that you know Christ is your Savior. He said, I want you to love me. Is what he's asking from us, is it too great? Is he stepping out of line? I mean, to demand my life. To want me to do everything for him. To live my whole life for him. I won't get a rerun or an instant replays, but what about what I want? But what if what you want is to serve him, to please him? Look at the next verse. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, you put those three words together like that and it spells G-A-P, gap. God God is looking for a, a man to stand in the gap between him and the world. Will you be that man that God can use? And the Bible says that God is looking for a man, looking through his eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for a man to stand between him and the people, a man after God's own heart that God can use to make him strong that God wants to show how strong he is, but he's got to have a, an object. He's got to have somebody. Will you let me show people how strong God is and how much God loves people? Can I use you? God said, Can I use you to show people that? And we're the one that makes that decision. Now, look, I took those two verses, and I put this in here. I put this in that book, The Gospel-Driven Man. If you read the book, you'll see this statement in here. Look at it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you might win souls. By the mercies of God, that you might win souls. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you might win souls. Holy, that you might win souls. Acceptable unto God, that you might win souls. Which is your reasonable service, that you might win souls. Be not conformed to this world, that you might win souls. Be ye transformed, that you might win souls. By the renewing of your mind... That you might win souls. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you might win souls. Do you get the idea? The man in the gap. Now I want you to look at this verse because this verse is so important. The book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. Book of Ephesians chapter 5. And you'll notice something that's very interesting here. He's talking to those who know the Lord. He's talking to no, God's children. And so when he makes a statement here in verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the what? Let the dead bury the dead. Are you dead or are you spiritually alive? Are you God's child but you're living as a dead man? In other words, making no effect for the things of God. You're not pulling them out of the fire. Are you walking close to the Lord like you ought to? Do you pray like you're supposed to? You're dependent upon the Lord. All of the problems that we have are not greater than the problem that the lost man has. Take all of my problems, take all of your problems, all put together are not greater than that lost man's problem. When he dies, where does he go? When we die, where do we go? We win. Life is short. And then he says this, and Christ shall give thee light. Light is truth. When you have truth, you can see. Therefore, he says in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Wake up. Rise from the dead. Lift up your eyes. You realize who you are? Do you understand why you're here? Are you serving the purpose that God intended? He walked into this room right now, walked right down this aisle, turned around and he looked at every one of you. He says, follow me. When do you think he'd want you to start? Right now. Today. You can follow him because of what you know about the word. Follow him. Do what God wants you to do with your life. Commit This day, these moments, live like a person who has his hope and confidence in the Lord. That's why he talks about it in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. He says, lift up the fallen hands, the countenance, the smile, the hat. Are you down in the mouth all the time? You're always whining and complaining about something. Nothing ever goes right for you. Stop whining. Don't act like a baby. Grow up. You're a child of God. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know where you're going when you die? Don't you think this life that God's given us is the most wonderful thing in all the world? There's no job better than what God has for us. And we get caught up in nothing but swallowing little gnats. Things that don't mount to a hill of beans. Don't let the devil get the best of you. Look down at the bottom. I put this in red. As we meditate upon the Lord's sacrifice for our sins, which provided us our free salvation, do you consider the sacrifice he asks is too great to serve him? Do you think God's asking too much? Is he asking too much of me? When we have communion today, we're supposed to do this in remembrance of, of who? Of Christ's sacrifice for us. Can okay, I? You picture this and do this in remembrance of him. And in spite of what he's done for us, what are we supposed to, as a child of God who should love their heavenly father, what does God want us to do? You see, the reason that I mentioned about the Bible college, the college needs financial help. There are certain financial obligations. Do we care enough? Some people can come to church and they never give to missions or never give them the Juana program or the ranch program or give to camps or scholarships. Or, and they just, you know, nothing matters. I try to give to everything I can, as much as I can, as long as I can. Life is going to be over one of these days and a dump truck may take more of my car the next time with me in it. And I want to, Be found faithful, and I want the same thing for you. I don't want us to get to heaven and be ashamed of what we could have done and didn't do. Look up here. This end represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. A lady came into my office this morning, and I went through the same thing, and I explained it to her. At the first, I asked her, I says, do you know where you go when you die? She says, no, that's not what I'm here to talk about. After I talked to her a little while, I said, now, let's get back to what I think you need. I says, all of your problems is to get you to the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord, I says, I can't solve your problems. I said, now, let's start back here. This is you and me. This is sin. We have all sinned and come short of God's perfection. And because we've all sinned, we all have to die to be eternally separated from God. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. We're all sinners, but God loves sinners. And he says we can't pay for our sins by good deeds, only by death. This sin represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world. He didn't have any sin. He didn't have to die. But because he loved us and our sins separate us from him, Jesus took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross. I said, you don't have to pay for something twice. I said, He paid for our sins and came back from the dead. Said the only thing He wanted us to do is believe He did it for us. When you believe He did it for you, He puts that payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for it. And her eyes got nice and big. She said, I've never heard that before. I've never understood that. I said, Have you ever heard John 3:16? She said, No. I've never heard John 3:16. So I got a chance to say, you know, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, the whosoever believeth in him, guaranteed will not perish, won't go to hell. But have everlasting life, you get to go to heaven when you die. I says, 10 years from now, if I asked you where you're going to go when you die, what would you tell me? She said, I'm going to heaven. I said, what about 100 years from now? Anyway, she got it. It didn't take long to explain it. And yet, the difference is heaven and hell. You say, Well, I don't want to offend people. How offended are they going to be when they die and go to hell and knew that you had the answer and you never told them? If you're going to offend them, don't you think it'd be better to do it now? Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do so. There's no tricks, no gimmicks. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward or embarrass you in any way. But right where you are, you say, preacher, that made sense to me that Christ died and paid for my sins. And all I have to do is trust him as my Savior. And he'll give me eternal life. And, friend, he will. And he'll never cast you out and never lose you. If you will trust Christ as your Savior right now, would you just let me know by slipping your hand up very quickly and putting it right back down. Yes, God bless you, buddy. Anyone else? Just slip it up, put it right back down. There's no gimmick to it, no tricks. God doesn't give it to you in big print and yank it away in a little print. Salvation, going to heaven, is a gift, and he loves you that much. I want to ask also another question. You that know Christ as your Savior, if I ask you the question, do you love him? Do you love him? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but just, do you love him? Do you love him enough to deny yourself and to take up his cross and follow him? To do, to be whatever God wants you to do and be. That's something between you and him. And I pray that you'll do it. I also want to ask you one question. Will you make praying for Florida Bible College and issue a commitment of yours to pray for the college? Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Yes, God bless you. That's a lot of hands. I pray that you will. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us for this time together. We ask your blessings upon the one and indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust your Savior. That by doing so, you guarantee them eternal life. You'll never cast them out and never lose them. And Father, we also pray for each person here. And Father, I pray that you'd bless each one as they realize that this is the day that they have. Give you this day. When tomorrow comes, give you that day. We just pray your blessings upon each one each individual, and that we would put Florida Bible College as one of the main ministries of this ministry because that's where we train the leaders, those that can make a difference. We thank you for them. In Christ's name we pray, amen.